Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Reed Mahelko of readaboutsex.com, and you're listening to Why Are People Into That? with Tina Horn. You're listening to episode 19 of Why Are People Into That? I am your host, Tina Horn, and this is a very special episode. What makes it so special, you ask? Don't I kind of always say that? Well, today I really mean it for one reason. I love boys. I really do. And I love eating nachos and painting my nails red and drinking bourbon and talking with boys about porno and society. Especially when those boys have big, beautiful dicks that they've put inside me on camera. So, my guest today is prolific porn star Mickey Maud, the perfect casting choice to play Morris Day in Purple Rain Triple X, which Mickey and I will be producing just as soon as our funding comes through. Anyway, I couldn't possibly go to San Francisco without dropping in on my old pal Mickey. I happened to have my brother from another mother, the sex-working queer theorist Quinn Cassidy, with me, so we had a terrific three-way, and then we recorded this podcast. But seriously, folks, Mickey wanted to discuss how pornography gets away with speaking all of the most unspeakable things in our society, especially the things that scare us. So... Make sure you have your security blanket nearby as we explore why are people into fear? Thanks, these walls. I rent. Yeah. You didn't show up. You never see a property management company. They never come out when the shit's broken. <laughs> um. So you will you will ask. Where are my headphones, Tina Hor? Okay, you, will, <laughs> you will ask my permission though if you need to pee though. For in all seriousness, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Are they wearing the headphones or? <laughs> um, Is that your dog voice, Tina? <laughs> No, you would know it if it was my dumb voice. Um, hi, Mickey Maud. Hi, Tina Horn. Um, uh, it's late-ish. It's not that late. It's I'm just an late. old queen. It's I've just had a long day. It's been a long day. Um, it's a long day for an old queen. <laughs> that sounds like a like driving Miss Daisy for the for the queers. Uh-huh. <laughs> or like a I don't know, like a Fleetwood Mac album. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, I'm here with my fabulous 
co-host. What are you doing with my whiskey? Oh. Is that your whiskey? I mean, it can be. I don't know. Fabulous co-host who is putting your whiskey closer to you. That's right. That is a fabulous. Actually, what I want is for you to take a sip of whiskey and spit it into my mouth. (laughs) You want me to? I can do this. Baby bird, the whiskey. That's my down voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, uh, (laughs) I don't usually have a co-host, but today Quinn Cassidy is here, and we just talk. Kind of, let's be honest, we just kind of co-taught this Dirty Talk workshop, which we've co-taught before. It was wildly successful. It was outrageously successful. Yeah. Um, and um, I think we made I think we made people's lives here in the Bay Area just a little bit better tonight. Just it's, a little bit dirtier. It's nothing more empowering than teaching and helping people how to talk filthy to each other in the bedroom. By doing like 20 spontaneous little scenes on a stage. Yeah, I stuck my ass in the air, I got my hair pulled. Do you think that... That sounds uh, awesome. That sounds kind of like speed dating for like dirty talkers. Yeah, yeah, except we were just speed dating each other. (laughs) (laughs) And every time we said, yes, I would date that person. No, the best, can I... No, please, please. the The best example was when Tina came up with um, I'm going to fuck you so hard <laughs> that you're going to melt into a puddle all over the floor and then I'm going to hire a cleaning crew to come and mop you up and then I'm going to hold the mop and wring it out over my mouth and consume you. <laughs> that is good. And then, and then piss, piss you out. out. And then yeah. piss you out. Yeah, yeah. So good. From beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah. Improv. Improv. It was my favorite. That was <laughs> I'm going to do that to you. You're genius. I can't wait. Um, do you think that anybody in that class is going to masturbate thinking about the things that we said? Yes. Do you think they have already? And it was two hours ago. There were a couple people with their hands on their pants in the back. Oh, yeah. I saw them. That's fine. It was at the armory. Hands <laughs> and pants at the armory. That's generally what happens, you know. They have yeah. cleaning crews. Yeah. <laughs> Bring there, out the mops. A, there's a podcast episode for you. The cleaning crew of the, the armory. Whoa. That I... Yeah, I'd imagine somebody's got some stories. You know? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> But don't you, don't you also think that after a while it just it's not really that entertaining? I mean, it's once you've seen a, oh, I imagine they're tissue. all not entertaining stories. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sure there's like yeah, we just don't we just don't go in that room. You know, I'm oh, sure that there is. Um, yeah, that room was locked. I don't know why. I don't ask. It's welded you know. shut. Oh God. Um, or well, I mean, there's always people. In that building, you know. Yeah, twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. So, people are in and out constantly, and I'm pretty sure they're not all working. Is that a corn cob vaporizer? <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome if it was a corn cob. It is a faux wood um, painted vaporizer. Wow, very yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. I want. I, this was a, a birthday gift. From uh, Sebastian Keys. Oh, oh that's nice. Yeah. Well, if he really loved you, he would have gotten you a real wood. 
very processor. <laughs> yes, because real love is about authentic wood. Oh, right. Authenticity. No, that's, yeah, I, I, it's if something we really Cialis, value. You don't want me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna, um, when is your birthday? Mickey Mon? Uh, September 23rd. That's right. You are, you're a, a Libra. I'm a Libra. Yeah, Libras. just, just, yeah. just barely. Mm. Um, well, next year I'm going to get you a corn cob vaporizer. I really hope that that product exists and I want somebody to make that product because I want to own it's it. How I'm gonna... I want to receive that as a gift. Yeah, it's how I'm going to make my millions for sure. Um, well, listen. Mickey Maud knows a thing or two about the armory um, because you have worked there in front of the camera and behind the scenes for how long? Um, okay, how long have you been working? Because uh, you started shooting there first, right? Yeah, I started shooting there, and that was like in April of 2008. Yeah. Um, and, and it's 2014 it is, now. It's 2014, so... Um, Are you going to ask me to do that math? Because that's yeah. real I, I just will say, like, uh, next April will be seven years. Right. Um, and, which is kind of... There's... I do like the movie Seven Years in Tibet. Mm. And so the seven years in porn thing kind of stands out in, in my head a little oh, bit. Oh, the totally. Brad Pitt the movie? The Brad Pitt one, yeah. Seven yeah. Years. Do you really, you really like that movie? Not really. It just it just stands out. <laughs> Why it's did you say like, the seven year itch? I haven't seen it. I mean, I know I should. Better I know than, I should see it. Yeah, I, guess I, hear, it's, than I hear it's pretty seven good. Seven years into yeah. bed, I'm just as yeah. seven year movies go. Yeah, I think I have a friend who picked their stage name from that movie. Mm. Isn't one of the characters Lorelai? Oh, uh, that's gentlemen prefer blondes. Gentlemen prefer blondes. But that okay. is a Marilyn Monroe. I think that the Seven Year Itch is the movie with the um with the great and the dress, the iconic. Oh, that moment. sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. I love that moment. I Such mean... Such a very, like, deliberate, intentional moment. And it's authentic. Some... Yeah. <laughs> so Mickey's been working at the armory. So Mickey's... Good co-host. Listen. Good co-host. Bring Are you going to be the street man? That's <laughs> like, a fucking yeah, wacky right. turn of events. <laughs> um, and so, and how long have you been working there behind the scenes? Um, I've been working there behind the scenes and... and a few different capacities for the last um, three years. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And um, when we were trying to decide what to talk about um, uh, today for this podcast, which I don't even fucking care what we talk about. I just want to hang out with you and talk to you because you're just one of my favorites. Oh. And you have a great voice. Mm. Thank you. And... You know, in a very tastefully crashed living room. Yeah, you clearly have great taste in movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, yeah. we know that about you. Living up to your uh, your surname. Mod, 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 very mod. Um, but uh, we just we settled on fear, which I'm really excited about because I think that fear is a really interesting, um, element of sexuality um that i don't know i don't think it gets talked about enough and it is almost halloween so 
Right it's time, to, it's time to get fucking spooky. Yeah, let's get fucking spooky. <laughs> let's get shit. spooky up um, here. But why don't you talk a little bit about um, what you actually said before I, I suggested why are people into fear when you just fucking went for it um, with your social analysis of uh, of porn and uh, I, I just want, I want to commit that to film Let the, you were talking about how porn gets away with things that people don't that uh, yeah I people mean, can't get away with elsewhere and can porn, you yeah, porn go is, <laughs> I'm going I'm going, I'm going. Um, you know porn is um, one of those things that um, we kind of allow certain um freedoms with like yeah you know on a very basic level of like the the quality of the product you know like i've always kind of known that like porn doesn't have this like you know high production value i mean there are a lot of companies that, that do have that but i think the general population is like oh like yeah porn shitty lighting bad acting like mm-hmm. you can get away with that in porn you totally can i mean i i i often said that making porn was a very forgiving way to learn how to be a filmmaker because, you know, lighting is bad, sex is hot, good porn. Yeah. Continuity bad, sex is hot, good, good porn. porn. Right. You yeah. know, and that was totally. that was that was a nice yeah. learning curve for me. Um but yeah, no, it is it is something that we we let it we let it get away with with a lot. We let it get away with murder, really. Yeah. And, and that's and we let it get away with, like, you know, the extremely kind of, like, horrible parts of our society that we, like, right. echo through that and almost do, like, a, a caricature level. You know, we... Like you know, what, for example? Like, um, let's see, all sorts of, like, you know, kind of, like, fucked up racism and mm-hmm. misogyny and... Mm-hmm. Fatphobia. Oh, yeah. Fatphobia. A- any kind of phobia... You know, we're able to Sorry. do in in porn that you could you couldn't do any other way. No, yeah. like you couldn't allow for um, you know, which is it's it's one of the things that like when I you know I tell people about you know like any sort of like porn and politics thing that's going on, and I talk about like you know free speech and people kind of get that sort of like, oh, why would porn be in free speech? Is um well, I mean, you're we say a lot of weird shit all the time. In porn. In porn. Yeah. Um, when we're like kind of able to kind of go to these places whether we want to or not, and we're kind of given that space to do so and it it's not always are you, did you just check to see if it was recording? Just, just this, is, this is this is brilliant shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're, the I'm levels funny. are not peaking. Any, so. any, anytime, anytime you see me looking at the screen, that's just me um, trying to put pressure on you that everything that you're saying is gold, and I want to make sure I'm getting it. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're on top of it. Mm-hmm. You've done this before. Just I ignore me. Just ignore me. <laughs> um. um uh, but you were talking about freedom of speech yeah. and, and porn. Um, so, yeah, I mean, why does... And this is a conversation, you know, it's kind of... We, we got to this topic, as I was saying, it's a conversation I've been having a lot recently. Um, 
that um, was actually kind of came out of a conversation about about race play, um, yeah. and kind of why I personally think it's like important to have um, a space like in the adult industry where like race play can be kind of seen as this kind of therapeutic space mm -hmm. and a space to kind of talk about some of the really you know fucked up issues that are going on with our country that are you know recent news events that we hear about all the time but we're always constantly aware of them yeah um mm. it's just you know you're talking about ferguson yeah I'm talking yeah. about well, I mean, Ferguson like, being a yeah. one very loud example of uh, um, ongoing pandemic. Yeah. Our, yeah. Yeah. Our yeah. most recent yeah, yeah, thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and, you know, the other person in the conversation is like, well, how do you feel about kind of like interracial porn? And, you know, well, I feel like it's, you know, there's interracial porn and there's race play, and these are very, very different things. Because, um, you know, interracial porn, um, you know, often plays on these, like, really negative stereotypes that aren't framed in this, like, um, consensual kind of, like, BDSM roleplay fantasy scenario. Mm. Right. I mean, so just um, in case anybody listening isn't aware, interracial is a genre of, of mainstream... But well, not just mainstream porn, but like just in general, it's an overarching genre. Yeah, yeah, in in porn that specifically denotes a black male and white woman. So mm -hmm. any is any, it limited to just black and white? Yeah, black man, white woman. Right. Emma, is that correct? I, I, I don't think it's limited to to white women. I think it's just limited to it specifically being will you have sex with a black man when you right. are with agents and in agencies um that is something when you say like oh like i do girl girl i do boy girl i, I do, do anal interracial is one of those things that that is on there um and actually a, a good friend of ours will hudson was telling me that a lot of that kind of comes from um feature dancing in the like um, 70s and 80s where a big part of you know being a performer was going on tour and doing these which it still is like yeah. you know, feature dancing is a, is a big thing and going through um, a large chunk of your tour tended to be in the south right um, so it was kind of assumed that like you wouldn't want to be putting out content that could you know land you in trouble when you go through this strip club um, and incite any sort of you know, weird, you know, weird racial violence directed at you. Um, Fuck. That's one story I've heard. I've heard like other stories. I've heard you know, you know, tales of like, oh, it's just about like you know, staging your career and you know, um, you know, just kind of like teasing it out and like right, you know, like so you do like you like know, first and then you well, do... like Tina Horn's first interracial scene. Yeah. Like Tina Horn's first anal, Tina Horn's first double penetration. I literally did all those things like the first. <laughs> the scene. first. Day. Like I'm, I'm supposed to wait. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. 
I, I could have charged more for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, which, you know, there was a time where, like, there were a, a lot of the time before, like, the tube sites where there's a, a lot of money and internet porn is exploding and it is really kind of this, like, this juggernaut and this driving force of, like, influx of all this cash and then also all of this technology that's making, you know, streaming video, like, available. Like, yeah. that was that was porn. That wasn't Netflix. You know, people were like, how can I you jerk off say. faster? You don't say. I do say. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Indubitably, I do. Indubitably, yeah. I think it's important to note that right after uh, Mickey said, I do say, he took a sip of his uh, uh, my, my fancy fine gin. His fine this is, we're trying to start a lifestyle gin. brand here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Bond's indubitably gin. <laughs> I do. Get drunk on my couch. <laughs> um. Well, you know, I mean, God, this whole fucking interracial interracial thing is so interesting too. You, you like you mentioned Wolf, Wolf Hudson. Um, Wolf is Dominican, mm-hmm. and um, but he sometimes in porn um can pass for white if it's mm-hmm. uh if it suits the the video or suits the production. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that he also can sometimes be cast more in the, in this, this porn role of the like vague the, person of color, the man of color. Right. Who, ambiguous minority. Right. The, yeah. Yeah. Amb- ambiguous minority. I don't know. 23, <laughs> you know, like, like a, it's, it would be a, a good, porn series I think ambiguous minority <laughs> ambiguous minority <laughs> what is it like white women jogging and like oh my god <laughs> men, men jumping out of bushes men that's jumping how it out of bushes it's totally how it happens R- falling over the construction worker like oh my, oh my god I found a sexy ambiguous minority well uh, <laughs> but, but I, but I, I like but, where we're going with this but, <laughs> I, but I really I, I do I, I really appreciate what you were saying that there's interracial porn, which oftentimes, uh, just as a genre, perpetuates this erotic, erotic. Oh my God! It's it's the long day, not the whiskey. Eroticization. 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 Yeah. I'm gonna cut it's, that. It's that nail polish. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm huffing this. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Enough is enough is the name of this nail polish. That's um, somebody's job. That is. I wish it was my job. I would love to come up with. I, I wonder for if there was somebody's products. like good day at work or somebody's bad day at work where they're just like, what? Can you just you need name like four four more colors? They're all fucking red. They're all fucking red. <laughs> yeah. Just all right. enough. Is enough is enough. Two two more. Two more. Enough is enough. That's that's the one. Is it somebody's? Is it somebody's interracial? shoot at work or somebody's <laughs> TP at work but no uh, in all seriousness um the 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 idea of uh, you know the other thing that uh that I was saying to you before we pressed record was uh would would you and I should have known you better than to ask this but oh, would you would you feel comfortable talking about the the myth of the the black male rapist and you were just kind of like yeah, I think I can fucking talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh but that that's that's the elephant in the living room, right? Like that's um it was an unfortunate choice of words, Tina. Um but uh that's that's what we're talking about, right? Like the with the 
interracial porn, the idea that there's some sort of virility or threat or um, reason to fear black male sexuality Mm -hmm. and thus that they would make an entire genre out of the idea of non-black women being fucked by black men. Mm -hmm. And then there's something completely different, which would be race play, where the people involved are entering into a context of exploring those anxieties, Mm -hmm. exploring those tensions um, consensually, and um, it might go to really fucked up places, but that is just, I think, kind of the difference between BDSM and people... Engaging in those things unthinkingly. Can I speak to my, like, ideas around that difference? Be be my guest. Except you're not my guest, you're my co-host. I always want to say no just because you asked. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, I mean, there's, like, and, and this can be said through, like, a series of different things that we find in terms of, like, negotiated BDSM scenes, especially, like, within porn. Of like when you intentionally enter into a space where there's negotiation around it yeah. and you know that you're taking on like a charged historically violent roles yeah, like absolutely. Be it race play or be it you know like um, what else there's a you know Nazi sure you know yeah. stuff and uh, lots of different lots of different situations um, it is, it's a, it's a, um, I feel like it's a negotiation, an exploration, a discovery around people's, um, relationship to that historical violence, which they may have or may not have experienced directly or indirectly. Like it's, uh, it's a sexual discovery around this violence that, permeates our experience historically as like humans yeah you know and that you may directly or indirectly benefit from or not or be oppressed by yeah you know it is an exploration of like these things that are kind of a part of how you are perceived and perceive yourself in the world um i think which is very different from how interracial porn is kind of marketed, which oftentimes is, I guess the, the way they say this, just in my experiences um, as a, a black male in the, in the adult industry of having, and I, I know all of my friends who are in the adult industry have had this kind of experience of showing up to a set or showing up to work when you were kind of like um kind of have to make this choice where you're kind of given what the scenario of your scene is going to be and having that like well this is work well Hmm. these are my my values or well what responsibility do I have in the images that I'm being a part of creating 
well, I didn't know that they were going to title the movie this until after it's been made. Or I didn't know that they were going to pair it with, like, these other scenes. And um, that sort of... um, that sort of choice and that sort of, you know, situations that, that you're put in, mm-hmm. um, I think are, you know, I can, I can go into a race play scene and I know exactly what I'm doing and I know exactly what, um, we're going to do in scene cause we talk about it and we discuss it. And I know that the end product is going to look extremely similar maybe there might be some more creative choices but i know that that end product is going to be of that content that i was there to kind of create Mm -hmm. rather than showing up and realizing that like okay i don't know what this is going to be i didn't know until i got here that this was going to be this and i don't know until after the product comes out that this is how it's marketed right so you're talking about um in one case, you might show up and you are going to do a porn scene and everything's copacetic and um, and everything feels good and ethical. And, and then you find out later that it's being marketed as, you know, like chocolate sluts or... Um, yeah. Or or, or, right, right. Take it black. Or uh, brother load, which is is something that I've actually there's actually um, a solo like the first um, scene that I ever did that I get paid one hundred fifty bucks for. Oh man. Yeah. Um, Man, those first scenes. Yeah, (laughs) that should be another episode. The things that you did before you did porn. Yeah. To see if you could do porn. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Huh. But, yeah, um, I did. I did glasses porn. <laughs> I bet that was adorable. That sounds adorable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so I would like to do glasses porn now. Fit. Um, well, I'm wearing glasses. So <laughs> yeah, jerk off we, on my glasses. We just have a microphone. Well, <laughs> I guess we could, an iPhone. I mean, sound is sexy. Yeah, it's true. The sound, sound of Mickey's cock. <laughs> fapping upon my glasses. <laughs> you had to use fapping. You had to use that verb. I don't know why. It just that's very fitting, though. Thank I you. It, it is... Thank you. I think it, it's it's definitely like I'm glad that that fapping is yeah it's very particular. It's, I know for me, it's, it's very particular. What kind of sound it makes? It's an onomatopoeia. It is an onomatopoeia. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I feel really validated right now, you guys. (laughs) Good. Okay, outside of fapping. Can women fap? Yeah, I feel like it's it's a similar sound. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the fapping noise would would be different between cut and uncut cocks. We're getting into semantics here. I mean, I think we're getting into an experimental sound piece here. (laughs) Um, For it. All right. Anyway. Anyway. So we're talking about some super serious shit, right? So brother brother load. load. Yeah. Yeah. Brother load. Um, I I think basically kind of where I was going, and I think it kind of gets us into, like, back to the the main topic, is that, um, like, a race play scene can be about the people involved in it kind of like 
playing with power and having that power and playing with not having that power. Um, and an interracial scene tends to deal with the power of the audience that it's for. Mm. That's really interesting. Um, you know, going to talking about the myth of the, the black male rapist, um, you know, those scenes kind of come out of this, you know, my, my perspective is those scenes come out of there's this fear that um, a, a sexually potent black male will take advantage of um, a, a white woman and a that helpless, a, a helpless pure, otherwise yeah. because that's, that's the price. Right. Apparently, that mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, and that um, whether it is out of like some sort of fear of a revenge for slavery or a, um, you know, you know, revenge for like everything America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, or, you know, that the white man will lose power yeah. in that, that situation. Right. And, um, and so, not... wait, 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 wait. Can, I, can I ask, just to get it straight, in, in the interracial versus race play, um, before I move on, um, so, like, what you're getting at, or at least what I'm reading from what you're saying, is that um, race play is kind of self-aware. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like it's something that people can like pull out these these power dynamics along the lines of race, which is like obviously a super characteristic um, like element of our reality, and 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 play with it, mm-hmm. um, and and play with fantasy around it. Whereas interracial is just a product of that yeah. fucked up reality. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. It's maybe not self-aware. Instead, it's just pandering to. Well, I guess interracial is a product. Right. It's a it's a product. It's marketed to an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, race play can be marketed to an audience, and it does probably have like many different audiences. But I feel that the way that like, you know, what I'm I'm not talking about like the the entire like genre of it, but I'm talking about like these very like the the tropes that you see in interracial porn are like the like you know the ghetto thug Mm, taking advantage of the or the small white girl or like the you know i am sure there are many 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 black men that do not have a gigantic dick Mm -hmm. and to put out like the perception that like that images of of people of color are just kind of based on them having like extremely huge genitalia is gonna be really kind of really kind of set the bar kind of high if you don't have extremely large genitalia Mm -hmm. like if that is all the images that you see of you know, people of color are based on the size of their genitalia, there's going to be a perception that that is their worth. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, 
I mean, and I I want to say that to be fair, most cocks in porn are larger than average, yeah. regardless of race. Mm-hmm. But the difference with most most of the time, especially in interracial porn, with black men, there's there tends to be a narrative of awe, a narrative of, of focus on, uh, you know, the the reveal of the taking out of the pants and the woman being like, oh my God, I can't believe how big it is. That seems to be like one of the, one of the, one of the focuses, which must be the, something that's perceived to be something that would, turn people on that Mm -hmm. sort of shock Mm -hmm. at discovering that Mm -hmm. yeah but you were saying that it sets the bar really high yeah i mean it's it's it sets the bar really high i mean yeah i mean i think porn in general has for the for the most part traditionally been focused on this kind of bizarre body ideal Mm -hmm. um that like i mean you just you just see it like permeated through like so many like you know mainstream images of of porn that like you know it's it's the unobtainable body or it's the same body over and over Mm -hmm. um and you know everybody's different yeah everybody's different um and I think I kind of got off topic a little bit, but, um, you know, where I was kind of going with that is that, you know, there, you can't eliminate fear from your life. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be something that you're able to, to do, mm-hmm. but you can condition yourself to handle that fear in different ways mm-hmm. um and ways that are helpful ways that push your boundaries ways that teach you more about yourself mm-hmm. um and you can kind of like take that in or you could project that and you could put that onto other people in ways that they don't consent mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that often happens in our in our culture and we see it in porn to an nth degree. Mm. Um, we see it in every every genre, every niche. There is hugely problematic content, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether if it has its place in this. You know, it's there, but is it there with intention so that we can have a conversation around it? Is it there with intention because people just want to get off? And there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There should be that place if people just want to get off on really, you know, you know, bizarre, fucked up things. I don't know. I mean, I have an ethical question for you. If people, if if there if there is a an urge that exists for many people to witness depravity, to witness scenarios and dramatizations of um, uh, of things that are fundamentally problematic of things that um that perpetuate oppression um that perpetuate racism that perpetuate misogyny that perpetuate transphobia um that if there is an urge to witness that and also that people consistently feel an urge to get off on it, to have an orgasm, for, to get turned on and have an orgasm from witnessing those things, then do, is it, is it, a, is it an ethically good idea to produce those images so that people can have that catharsis of witnessing that in that way? Um, or is the goal to move towards a society where, um, where people don't get off on depravity and um yeah i i guess that's that's my question uh, you know should we should we be making those images so that people can um have that release or should we start to try to heal the uh you know all of the fucked up things that we look to those images for. I mean, you were saying that you think that it's not possible to have a society without fear. Oh yeah, absolutely not. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's the, it's the driving force of the human, exp- not the drive, but I would say like one of the driving forces of the, the, the human experience. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's based in, in survival and like we've, we've definitely yeah. like evolved to the point where like, you know, survival means very different things than like, um, I think that tiger is going to eat us. Well, know, right. I mean, depending it, on what part you live in the world, but yeah, I mean, fear, yeah, fear is even is primal, but then when you start to have civilization and society, then fear exactly. It doesn't become this predator is going to eat me. Fear becomes, um, you know, this person is going to oppress me. This or... person is going to take my job. This right. person is going to, you know. Um... And still, there are predators. Yeah. This person is going to. This person is going to kill me. This person is going to rape me. This person is going to mm-hmm. fucking extort me. Yeah. <laughs> exploit me. Yeah. This Which... person or institution or country is going to throw me in prison. Yeah. Right. Which uh... would tap into the very primal thing of of mine you know mm-hmm. like of, this of is possession. mine of possession yeah um and you know it's it's kind of like um it's kind of like eating your own vomit to understand to remember what you ate oh my god 
<laughs> you have the best metaphors. You're hired. Yeah. You're fucking hired. <laughs> totally. Um, to- but I understand what you're saying. It's like consuming this kind of, if, you know, to expand on the metaphor, um, like recycled, regurgitated, reproduced cycle of violence in order to understand the violence that you experience. Okay, so... I, no, go ahead. I, you know, I think... It's... Alright, like, you... You have this fear, like, you don't understand it. You put it out there in a way, or you see it mirrored by... Um, a product or an image and so you consume it and it may be in an attempt whether it's consciously or subconsciously to understand that mm-hmm. um, and so I think that there is a lot of you know a lot of because I mean these things sell and they that's sell right. really well mm-hmm. and that's how we show that and we talk about something specifically porn that that works off of fear yeah be it fear of black men or fear of being bound up and fucked or fear of yeah fear of of um being taken advantage of right fear of um you know homosexuality fear oh. of um you know all these set of of fears Force are feminization yeah you know, are i'm sure largely rooted in you know the the consumers like fear of what they are capable of or not acknowledging or right. don't know how to deal with um and like you know like we consume these things like maybe in an attempt to like understand why it is that like we fear these things or why it is that we put these on other people mm-hmm. um and it's, you know, it's, I mean, it doesn't make any logical sense, but neither does anything else in the world. Well, what uh, I, I kind of, because I feel like we're equating the fear that one can experience within eroticism for the, the genres of, or rather the elements, the, the, um, uh, manifestations of fear that we see within our culture yeah and i think these are two intertwined things but you can also look at them separately like um you know i mean i see just like in a historical context um like uh if interracial porn is to be consumed by a general white audience like look at the jim crow south where like black men were strung up and hung and tortured with like celebrations around the torture mm-hmm. in like public squares because they were um falsely accused of raping a mm-hmm. white woman which you know either the the uh or the... stepping on a white man's shadow right like in like, like so there's this like this fear of mm-hmm. and that was right after um, the Emancipation Proclamation, right? So it's like there's this fear of like, oh, the black man is gonna like take over yeah. the, the South and blah blah blah, and, and that prompted. And it's like, so is that where? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean. Don't you have answers? Yeah, I, I, I don't. Um, but 
know, I, I do, I do think that, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of this, this kind of like fear based, let's just call it like fear based content just for, sure. um, or fear rooted content, um, has to do with, um, we're talking about fear and we're talking about what people like respond to and what people do um and with that you also have to kind of talk about guilt Mm -hmm. um and like responsibility Mm -hmm. and like you know um I, i can't speak to anybody's guilt but you know but my own you know um but i think in there has to be you know going back to what we were saying about like you know kind of understanding like that you may have you know benefited from these things in history yeah you know i think there has to be some sort of like um acknowledgement or not acknowledgement or maybe you know with that acknowledgement some sense of like futility sometimes Mm. about being able to change things um and just fucking processing them yeah so my question is, what is the difference between um, watching fear and adrenaline and uh, controlled violence play out in a uh, in uh, organized professional sports, um, which is also a form of entertainment um, that is very popular yeah. in this country and all over the world? Um, uh, fictional stories and TV shows and, and, and books and music for that matter um, that feature monsters and serial killers and, um, uh, you know, uh, various other um, fictional metaphors for the things that we truly fear in our lives. What is the difference between those things and dramatizations of our... Um, internalized fear that we watch to get off to Hmm. that are specifically sexually that are sexually explicit that are sexually hardcore Hmm. what's the difference in the uh, the continued ethical production of those things if if all of those things are designed um for us to experience some kind of catharsis some kind of acknowledgement um uh then what's the difference between um, uh, consuming a story or a game versus um, consuming something that we're also getting uh, sexual excitement and release as a result of? I mean, I don't think that there's like a... that there are really big differences. I think, you know, a a lot of what has to do, I think, with a lot of things you just described are... I think one going to be cultural, you know, like mm-hmm. I think, you know, Americans are probably responsible for like the majority of all of those things, all of those types of, of like entertainment content, like video games, yeah, um, sports entertainment, like Aura. nobody does, nobody <laughs> does fucking sports and oh we are so good at war like we're, we're so fucking good like, we're a war we should economy. get a medal the most advanced like 
military in the fucking world, you know, and um, it is, you know, I, th I think just kind of like a part of, you know, who we are as Americans, but we also have that sexual repression sort of thing. Going yes, on. we do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, I mean, all of those are kind of like rooted in like facing fear of, yes. of, of some kind or, you know, capitalize that on that at, at some time. So like, you know, football, your team is going to like race, you know, right. like, or... Well, my team is going to destroy your team. Destroy your team. Yeah, and I mean, the way people talk about sports and, like, you know, their teams or, like, you know, you know, movies and, like, you know, it's like you kill 45 people in an action movie, you're an action hero. Right. You know, you have sex with four people you're a whore right mm. you know um w you know we it's just it's always just like weird that like to me like obviously i mean that like we fear like sex so much we fear yeah, other people like having sexual power mm -hmm. um we fear like that people won't understand or respect when we say no or yeah. probably we fear more that people won't understand when we say yes hmm. you know when and I, I think that's one of one of the things that like allows you know porn to kind of have these like untalked about areas where they can have like you know what is kind of seen as like the most like you know offensive and um ugly parts of like a larger society because we don't know how to deal with it mm -hmm. in this way and so we place it in this place that we ha already have this other you anxiety know anxiety around. about you know, sex you know, of like, all right, like, yeah, when these things happen outside of this fantasy entertainment product, mm. like, they're horrible. And we don't know what to make of them. Yeah, and we don't know what to make of them. And, like, I think the, I think a lot of the content is put out there in a way that we assume that people are, like, having, are having conversations about that, mm -hmm. you know, that people are doing their own work around that. And maybe they are, maybe they aren't, I don't know, you know. That's like feedback we ever really get, you know. Do you think that putting all of these fears and anxieties into porn has sort of the same social benefit of something like satire? Because I'm just I'm thinking about some of the most um, stereotypically racist and classist um, porn that I've seen. And a lot of it seems to have some kind of awareness and some kind of tongue-in-cheek yeah. um, because it's so over the top. I mean, I, I, I can't even, I can't even, like, repeat, like, some of the, um, 
some of the uh, racial and cultural stereotypes that that get and so it's like it's like is it part are those stereotypes part of the turn on or are they put there because it just makes people feel more depraved or relaxed about it or is that just um I guess my question is do you think that it's doing some kind of social good to put it in there and um and if not what should we what should we do about it Oh that question <laughs> <laughs> Um how should we heal the world? Right. Um, you know what? That's what this podcast is yeah, really about. Yeah. I really just want to paint my nails and you know, I, th- I think the that the best thing that we should do as an adult entertainment industry is I think we should gather together all of the stars and I think that we should write a song. Oh. And I think we should sing it and oh, that's we'll show the video with like us all singing our different like verses in, in the studio uh-huh. together. The headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Elmo will be there. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna Elmo's be a porn star? Dude. You've seen those Sesame Street parodies. Uh, <laughs> 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 Alright. I get your point, smart ass. Um <laughs> porn won't save the world. I'll I'll let it go. Is porn is like rich. I'm just wondering. I, you know, I was also kind of th- like thinking about satire. Like, yeah. like yeah. obviously it is okay. Like there's, there's if, I'm if I'm critiquing, if I'm critiquing a piece of culture, mm-hmm. um, sometimes a piece of culture is fucking racist, and sometimes a piece of culture is engaged in uh, and and uh, and like bringing to the surface things that maybe we don't acknowledge about how racist we are in a way that is satirical, in a way that is funny, in a way that that's, uh, that speaks the unspeakable. And I personally think that like that sa- that well done satire does enormous social good because mm. yeah. it, it 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 brings things to the to the fore and um and fucking does away with like bourgeois politeness and like maybe can actually like um promote some um some like understanding or at least like catharsis that we're not like all just fucking oppressing mm-hmm. uh, repressing how uh oppressed we've been and so i'm just wondering if you think that porn can do that too I, you know, I, I think that it can, but I think that, you know, what stops that is um, the just the, the sexual repression. And, you know, I think with satire, it's put into, you know, kind of like a digestible format. You know, it is like, you know, it's, you know, there's a comedy element to it. So there's this like, uncomfortable laughter that comes from like satire that you're like oh like that that makes you think and because you've been conditioned to like you know be allowed to you know be in a space where you can clearly talk about things that were funny to you or things that you know made you think yeah you know um we're conditioned to not talk about sexual things we're conditioned to not talk about like oh you know what like you don't you you tend not, depending on where you work, you tend not to hear the conversation of like, oh, how was your weekend? And like, it was good. You know, I was watching this like, like anime tentacle porn and like, 
it like really like turned me on in this way that I didn't think that it was going to, mm-hmm. and it kind of made me think of like why did it do that and da da da, and how <laughs> I feel about this and like you when know when a tentacle went down her throat and came out her asshole, I just like I lost it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, what was that even about? Yeah. And like I have like you know like a, a just really hot like masturbation about it, and like it was like a really like intense orgasm. That's not the conversation that people are having mm-hmm. at work, but they're like oh Except like. For us. Like, I totally, you know, watched Game of Thrones. Like, right. I totally, like, you know... Or all these people to... were being dismembered and raped. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, like, you know, it's... I, I think it's I think it's the... You know, we're never going to see, like, porn as this, you know, healing or place that we can, you know talk about like these really serious larger issues until we can talk about sex yeah you know um you know which is which is going on and it's it's funny it's like you you always hear about porn being this like you know billions of billions of dollar industries whether you know that's up or down i'm sure it's down from where it used to be but you always hear about it being like such this bringing in all this money you don't always hear about like people talking about their like porn viewing habits or what they spend their money on like because people are ashamed to like talk about like to you know you know when when things you know come up politically that you know come up with like issues of free speech that are connected with sex work where they're connected with um you know adult entertainment it is the workers that you're hearing from you're not hearing about you're not hearing from you know the porn star fans you're not hearing mm-hmm. from the the tricks or johns or however your clients or however you want to like you know phrase the people who are consumed the consumers yeah um the people who you know are in product focused um and you know it's i i i would love to live in a world where i could be out about everything to everyone in my life but that's not just how most people live yeah. you know um, and that's because people have these you know not just shame but certain like very strong like emotional and visceral responses to um, how bodies interact with each other yeah mm-hmm. you know and like we're conditioned to like understand like certain things and like you know we're conditioned to like you know be you know awkward around other things and sex is just one of those things that like it has this really really strong power of of being this like secret you know I mean, at least, at least, and I don't that I don't think that's it's not uniquely American, you know. Yeah. Well, 
also, fear is the blind killer. It's the little death. No, uh, fear is sexy. It's sexy. Fear is fucking sexy. Like, when I am playing with somebody who I consent to do uh, an uh, intense scene with um, and who is physically overpowering me, mind-fucking me, um, uh, you know, doing something, um, when we're playing at something sadomasochistic or something, um, uh, with, uh, a lot of, of, of physical power exchange, um, and, uh, and, and that person is, um, overpowering me or saying depraved things to me, um, and it's all stuff that I really like, and I'm having that moment where, I simultaneously completely trust them and know that I'm safe and also on a more like physical or reptilian level am actually experiencing a fight or flight response and actually um, scared of them and not really quite knowing what's going to happen next. That's like, that's, that's my shit. Mm-hmm. I like that. And mm-hmm. I like being on the other side of it as well, because I'm just like that. I like inspiring that feeling. I like seeing fear in the eyes of somebody that I'm that I'm playing with. Of again, of course, provided that that fear is complemented by the trust to let me take them to the point where I could make them feel that fear that they're craving. Mm-hmm. Um that's my shit. Yeah. Well, fear is sexy when you know that there's, like, you're in a situation where you're going to overcome that fear. Mm-hmm. Right. Or confront it in terms, in a space that feels comfortable mm-hmm. for you. Because overcoming your fear reaffirms your ability to survive. That's right. And I think that's exactly where, um, where people find all of these um fucked up genres that feed off of fear where they find a uh, uh, attraction to it it's like i've always had a personal philosophy or belief that um the sexual subconscious is is sort of our um our gyroscope it's it's what seeks the equilibrium it's the gravity to our That's- pendulum Oh, I love will. all the figure of language today, boys. And, this is good. Yeah, <laughs> metaphors. Vomit and gyroscopes. Vomiting gyroscopes. Wow. But I really liked it now that I think about it, about the vomit thing. But, yeah, yeah. yeah good. Back to the gyroscopes, though. The gyroscope, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I see this in my work as a pro-dom, where I have um, people who perform, who both society provides them with mm-hmm. power. They tend to be rich white male CEOs, but provide them with, right? Um, provide them with power and they perform that power mm-hmm. in their family life, in their professional life, yeah. in everything that they present um, and and perform the way they interact their, with the way they interact with service people, the way that yeah. they you know yeah. like like Which, the way they interact with people at restaurants and in cabs and, and exactly and in stores. every single yeah. moment of their life until they come to a prodom that can take all of that power away yeah. from them yeah. and they crave 
being yeah. submissive and they tr- crave having the power stripped from them because their power in their daily life right. is out of equilibrium and now people I feel like you know maybe and this is like uh, uh, you know maybe someone who use this as a just random example someone who is afraid of uh, swimming um, you know is might get off to like a, a drowning scene or you know or like a waterboarding torture you know what i'm saying yeah. it's like eroticism because we're safe we're watching porn in our bedrooms or living rooms or whatever in the bathroom on our phones or something um and we're watching something that is eroticized because it puts us in that element of we're both experiencing pleasure in a safe environment while facing the things that we're afraid of yeah. which makes sense for like people that watch interracial porn and they have like some racist hang-ups you know mm-hmm. they think yeah. that like they're gonna get jumped by like the aggressive black man se- mm-hmm. black male sexuality or whatever and that very anxiety and tension which a racist white supremacy has installed into them elicits the response by their subconscious sexuality to seek out those scenes and get off on them there's this crazy old french guy George Bataille, um, who talks about um, uh, 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 violence and sexuality as being completely intertwined because mm-hmm. violence provides the threat of the loss. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, mm-hmm. the minute we're married and, like, forever intertwined and forever monogamous, because we no longer have the threat of losing one another, then that threat makes the electricity between us void null like that was the example he used Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing that you could say and he used it also within eroticism it's like if you have that high tension anxiety Mm -hmm. of fear and of violence committed onto you even if it's within a safe environment that builds and builds and builds and builds to a release Mm -hmm. you know and he like married the two together and do you have any insight in with working in the in the talent department at kink with um the i feel like part of the um brand of kink is that the scenes are authentic in the sense that they are in in the sense that the pain is real the torture is real the humiliation is real uh it's not um i mean it's performed but it's not acted um and um, you know, it seems like a lot of the time the goal of the productions at kink.com is to elicit real fear from the models mm-hmm. and that people are clearly getting off on voyeuring to other people's fear. Well, I mean, it is a... People... I think really respond to like an arc mm. you know and I think arcs happen totally like, regardless of of scripts and regardless of um you know I I, I think you know these the, the standout scenes that you know people like always talk about like oh did you see like you know like isis in that one scene or yeah. did you see you know darling in that one scene or 
you know, all, all the people that, like, have made, like, you know, standout scenes yeah. happen, um, I think, come from, you know, people being really honest with themselves mm. about what they can what they feel that their capabilities are or what they feel like they want to know more about within themselves mm-hmm. um, so that's sexy yeah that's really sexy man wow that sounded like really like 60s swinger believe, believe me the sexy, sound of the man. pouring rye really helped <laughs> yeah. in my in my headphones here. <laughs> um, listen um, I I wish we could um, talk about fear all night until we just couldn't sleep and I There's needed, so much needed you guys to, to hold me all night so that I not afraid of the dark and protect me from Myself probably, but <laughs> hi. Um, I'll, but, I'll hold you if you're not wearing the jizz covered glasses. Oh well, that's we're gonna true. have to I'll cover them. Hold, in... I'll still hold you. Oh, that's just the kind of guy you are. I know. I know. Um, Mickey Maud, thank you for talking about this twisted, twisty subject, um, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about it more. Yeah, I hope that wasn't a, a downer for your, your listeners. Fuck it, that. fuck it, man. People can stand to be a little shaken up, I think. I hope after this podcast, when people go and watch their uh, sadistic or fucked up or delicious porn or all three twisted up into one, they think about where those interests are coming from. I hope they don't. I hope they just watch it and get off and then think about it later. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> New critical perspectives. No. When you're getting off to it, don't think about it. Yeah. No. About <laughs> You'll lose the boner. Unless that helps you get off. Yeah. yeah. No, no. In all, yeah, Unless you're jerking off to, like, critical theory, like, you know, go Like for you. It. Shut up. Um, <laughs> Mickey Maud, um, uh, where can people find out more about you on the internet? Um, I'm around a few places. Um, Twitter, the Mickey uh, Mod, the Mickey at Mod, the Mickey Mod, at the Mickey Mod. Um, Is there anything you want to plug? Um, I I do um, the site behind Kink. Oh, that's which right. Is, um, like a behind the scenes and like interview um, shows, and I'm. It's not just about people's behinds. It's not just about people's behinds. (laughs) Um, It's about the people who own the behinds. Just a POV Um, cam walking around the the armory looking for cute butts. How will they find them? How will they find them? Um, That's that's something that I'm doing. But um, yeah, um, I'm doing a lot of things. And some of those I will be sharing with the world very shortly. So I'll have more things to plug next time I talk to you. Yeah, I don't have a lot to plug, but yeah. Well, I think you have plenty to plug. (laughs) 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 But we have to catch the part, so um, thanks for thanks for um, a wonderful conversation, and it's really nice to see you. I love you. My pleasure. And one day we'll do that purple rain porn. Yes. 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 Yes.
Oh my god. Yes. And there will be there will be terror. We'll strike terror into the hearts of Oh. Everyone. I know what I'm drinking coffee tonight. <laughs> the problem with doing a purple rain porn is that everyone wants to be Prince. But you want to be Morris Day. Oh. Right. Yeah. Right. That's that's the role. Maybe splits. That is the understood artist, misunderstood artist day. right there. Yeah. Morris Day in the motherfucking tie. Yeah. <laughs> I see it. I see it. I see it yeah, too. Totally. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah, but you would make a good prince too, babe. I make a good a lot of things. That's true. <laughs> you make a great Mickey Mouse. Oh. All right, I'm turning this off so now. Okay. Say say good night, Mickey. Good night, Mickey. Yes. In January of 2015, Why Are People Into That will be one year old. Next month, I'll have more information about how you can show your fandom. But for now, you can add us to your favorite Stitcher playlist, write an iTunes review, tell your followers what you love about at Into That Podcast, and tweet at Tina Horn's Ass if you have any questions that you'd like to have answered on the show. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors, Smitten Kitten. You can find out more about them by visiting smittenkittenonline.com. Thanks for tuning in to episode 19. Next time, my guest is Melissa Jira-Grant, author of Playing the Whore, which is an absolutely game-changing book about the labor of sex work. Melissa taught me all about the origins of cam girl culture. There was something so like you couldn't graft what we were doing on our cams at that point in time to really any other thing offline. Yeah, like it just did. It wasn't quite like a peep show, right. and it wasn't quite like a strip club, and it wasn't quite like art, but it was like it was. <laughs> yeah. It just like it was purely its own thing. It yeah. really was its own thing, and and of course it died, and it died when. As always. Why Are People Into That is produced and hosted by Tina Horn. Pine did our theme song, and Justin Levesque designed whyarepeopleintothat.com. Until next time, I'll be assembling a team of porn stars to record a mega pop hit to heal the world. Hello, it's, well, you know who I am, Christopher Walken, and this is Tina Horn's Why Are People Into That? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.